The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you. Context night. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me. At Jim Kramer. If you're not confused... You're not paying attention. We've reached the point of maximum disorientation. Something that happens every earnings season when there's too much to keep track of. And the action seems to stop making sense. Even after a low-key session, Dow gained 46 point, S&P advanced 0.28%. NASDAQ climbed 0.19%. You have every right to be extremely frustrated. Stocks that should be going up are going down. Stocks that should be down are going up. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria! But there's a method to this market's madness, and you need to understand it. Otherwise, you'll have no idea what's going on. You know what a clueless investor does? A clueless investor is a bad investor. So let me walk you through some of today's craziest examples. And I'm going to start with Caterpillar. Caterpillar, the stock. Huge shortfall. In response, of course, the stock correctly plunged 6% in early morning trading. While I thought it was a bit of an overreaction, there's nothing unusual about a stock going down in disappointing numbers, is there? <laughs> it's what happens next that's hard to explain. Cat bottomed down 6% and slowly rebounded. If you sold it near the low, hey, listen, man, you're a dope. As the stock only closed up more than 1%. Why? Because this is not the same old caterpillar. We're a shortfall like the one that we saw this morning would result in giant layoffs, suspension of the buyback, maybe even a dividend slice. This is the new Caterpillar, a company that's been shaped by Jim Umpleby. Man, hey, listen, he's not in Peoria anymore. He's in Chicago. And it was from the beginning of 2017 when he took over that all this has happened. You see, he made it clear that he had had it with Cat's episodic business model. He was done with the miserable boom and bust cycle that had made this one of the toughest industrial stones and, frankly, one of the best to short. Most investors didn't believe him. I mean, how the heck do you make a machinery company less cyclical? But Umblebee wanted a clean break with the past, and that's exactly what he gave you. So when Caterpillar slashed its forecast, 
What does he do? He tells us the buyback will continue unabated. Dividends not in danger thanks to relentless cost cuts. The new cat makes more with less. If you're listening to Comscore, you could tell the moment when the bad story turned good because it's when the analysts started sounding totally befuddled. I mean, the questions created a very positive impression. It was like, wow, I mean, hey, this isn't as bad as it used to be. This is a new cat. It really is more consistent. It really can deliver good earnings during a worldwide slowdown. I know I was spooked initially. I figured it was the same old, same old. I was wrong. Then, even better, Caterpillar shared some monthly machinery numbers, which showed month-to-month improvement, just when you least, of course, expect it. This new cat is the kind of industrial you can stick with during a downturn. Rather than worrying about cat, I think you should buy it in weakness, knowing you'll be protected by that buyback and that dividend. Now, there's also Boeing. Boeing. Okay, the news from Boeing lately, about as bad as it gets, right? We're seeing almost daily revelations about the alleged wrongdoing behind the 737 MAX fiasco. And these stories, they make you feel like only a masochist would want to own this stock. But then Boeing reported a pretty nasty number this morning. And what happened? Down 5%, down 10%, maybe down 15%. No, no, it went higher. It rallied a percent. Has the market lost its mind? No. Management simply laid out a scenario that said, safety willing, we'll see the 737 max in the air sooner rather than later. Of course, it's hard to predict when. And I thought the headline writer simply didn't read the conference call when they predicted the plane would fly again in the fourth quarter. What Boeing really said is that the 737 max will be ready when the regulators say it's safe, which might take a little longer, even though accounting rules make it so they had to make a projection. The projection was a bullish one. The call reminded me that Boeing actually is still benefiting from a fabulous secular trend that's been obscured by all the headlines, the relentless rise in air travel. There are only two companies on Earth that can produce large quantities of commercial aircraft, Boeing and Airbus. Believe it or not, the airlines need these planes. No matter how bad the 737 MAX story gets, it is bad. Boeing's practically the only game cap. And look, this company is not a one-trick pony. It's got a major service revenue stream, got a gigantic defense business, and of course, they make plenty of other planes that aren't the 737 MAX. Hey, like the Dreamliner. Let me put it this way. If the Chinese government wants to offer a gesture of good faith as part of the trade negotiations, they just need to pick up the phone and say, you know what, we want a couple extra Dreamliners each month. That's all it would take. No, it's not a perfect story. We still don't know when the regulators will let their most popular plane fly again. And Boeing still hasn't been able to get ahead of the relentless drumbeat of bad headlines. But for the first time in a while, you know what? I feel like maybe the press, including moi, has gotten too negative. I expect more horrifying revelations, more ugly head headlines, more reports issued by countries where uh, there were tragedies. But you know what? I think we may be through the worst of it which means we can go back to focusing on the otherwise terrific core business. Third is Apple. Now, not that long ago, analysts turned and they turned horribly against Apple. You remember? I mean, like when I thought of Apple, what did I think of? Spam. All right. Claiming the new iPhone 11 was a bust. The Chinese are going to boycott the thing that President Trump hated. I mean, it was unbelievable. Stock spent the whole month of May getting steamrolled. But Apple's made a magnificent comeback. And last night, Katie Uber, the terrific tech analyst at Morgan Stanley, shocked Wall Street with a gigantic price target boost. Uber argues that we should stop worrying about potential shortfalls, start focusing on how much Apple can make from its new TV offering, which everyone is poo-pooing. Now, Uber is the absent Apple, the analyst with the best understanding of the business, and she says the new service stream could be huge. When Apple reports next week, it's very possible the stock will sell off. I mean, seeing as it's run going into the quarter, including another three bucks and change today. But Uber makes a compelling case for my longtime mantra. Own Apple, don't trade it. 
especially since the rollout of 5G will be the biggest iPhone refresh cycle of all. So I get what will happen, of course, the company report, all these moron analysts. I mean, some of these more circumspect analysts will say negative things. Stock will come down. You get another chance. What about the stocks that got hammered even though they didn't deserve it? Chipotle's plummeted more than 5% today after reporting an amazing quarter. That said, I'm not shedding any tears for Chipotle. Stocks slow up more than 80% for the year. When I look over that quarter, I think you're being given a rare buying opportunity here. And if Brian Nicola had come on the show, what? he was on another show, that's fine. That's fine that we all play together. We're team players here. But he's got a loyalty plan ramping up, some food costs going down, including, by the way, did you hear? He found another source for avocados. Hey, Bar San Miguel's getting crushed by avocados, not him. Do you know they make them in Peru now? And he's got digitization initiatives taking hold. What's not to like? It had 11% same-store sales growth. For heaven's sake, the stock was due for some profit-taking. Two more while I'm, at, I'm throwing them at you. Outstanding company like Microsoft reports an outstanding quarter. Eh, you know, that's a yawner, right? Outstanding is outstanding. A student is an A student. But how about this? When Tesla reports a surprise profit, it's to the moon, Alice. And that's what happened this evening. I think I know the secret to Tesla's success. CEO Elon Musk is tweeting and taunting less, spending more time making Teslas. The bottom line, this is the most difficult part of earnings season right now. When the reports are overwhelming, it's very hard to make sense of the action. Caterpillar disappoints and roars higher. Chipotle knocks it out of the park and gets hammered. But it all makes sense when you consider the expectations coming into the quarter. And the stripes get changed like a caterpillar, where the numbers are worse than fear. But the conference call is better than we could ever hope for. And management is unexpectedly talking about protecting the dividend and buying back even more stock. No, the market hasn't lost its mind. There's just more going on than you may be aware of. Hey, how do we go to let's let, you know what, let's go to Joe in New Jersey. Joe. Mr. Kramer, thank yeah. you for having me on. Oh, uh, my delight. Yeah. I currently own uh, Cisco Systems uh, since 2009, and I'm hearing uh, mixed reviews from the analysts. I also heard at uh, Carol Tomei from uh, Home Depot is on board. Yeah, she, Carol Tomei joined the board. She joined the board. That's a very good point. Yeah, and then uh, Cisco just uh, acquired Cloud Cherry. So mm-hmm. do I still hold on to it? Well, Cisco Kid remains a friend of mine. Now, has it done well lately? No. Is it expensive? No. Does it have a good yield? Yes. Is Chuck Robbins doing a fine job? Yes. Is it dangerous to own? Already came down, I say. <laughs> Listen, I know investing can sometimes get confusing. I mean, I know people who are confusing spam with Apple. How absurd is that? But uh, other, it opened. Ooh, let's, where's the straw? I love drinking spam juice. Everybody knows that. But other times, like earnings season, the action makes total sense. And uh, well, frankly, it's what we bank on and what we believe when we have money. Hey, here's a question: Should you hit a ride on the rails with CSX? Turn on Hoppy Board to talk about everything from the auto market to energy. Do not miss my exclusive the CEO. And medical technology is poised to generate nearly $600 billion in sales by 2024. After the recent moves higher in the space, you're probably wondering, is it time to take profits? Why don't you wait for my take? And it was a game of musical chairs last night. Nike, ServiceNow, SAP, all announcing big CEO changes. Tonight, I'm talking to two men in the mix. Sir, mix a lot. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. 
Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Crisscrossing the country and connecting the cargo that keeps the economy rumbling on. Can this railroad stock weather the trade war and power your portfolio like a locomotive? You want to take the pulse of the economy, watch the transports, especially the railroads. They have a better read on commerce than any other industry. So when Jim Foote, CEO of CSX, a major railroad, came on CNBC in July and said that this economy was one of the most puzzling that he's ever experienced. That was taken as a pretty bad sign. The consumer might be strong, but the business side of things is in much worse shape than many people realize, though maybe not as bad as we feared. See, last week, CSX reported a surprisingly okay quarter, even though their sales were down 4.8% year-over-year, driven by severe weakness in a host of cargoes. CSX still delivered a 2.9% earnings growth, which translated into a hefty beat. So despite a not-so-hot environment, the company's more exacting railroad initiatives allow them to turn a fantastic profit, simply because they're better, more efficient operators to the stock have more upside. Let's take a closer look with Jim Foote. He's the president and CEO of CSX. To learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed, Mr. Foote, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Great. Have a, this thank is really you. good to be oh, here. Thank you. Now, uh, we've always liked the railroads of the show. We always felt that they're green, they use less oil. We know that they have very little competition among the other railroads, so they have competition among trucks. What we never expected was that they were not cyclical, that there's just an upward trend. That's what I feel you've made with CSX. How'd you do it? Well, you know, Jim, we've been transforming CSX now for the last two years, two and a half years, uh, using a different model. It's focused on really running the railroad as efficiently as we possibly can, using as few assets as we possibly can. And the end result of that is that we provide a much, much more reliable product. But we're also able to pivot much better, too, when the, uh, you know, because the railroad business is the railroad business. Changes all the time. Uh, factors here, factors right. there. So we're able to move uh, in any direction we need to at any given time much better. Okay, so what's different? Are you more on time? Are you not losing cars all over the place? Or are, are, are you telling customers that you can do X and then you do even better than X? 
absolute horror stories of the way the railroad right? industry has run for years and years and years, not providing a very good product whatsoever for our customers. By focusing on, again, efficiency, what we're really meaning is in the supply chain, in our logistics chain, there are so many unnecessary things that were done. Switching boxcars here where they didn't need to be, stopping and holding cars in a yard where they didn't need to be, all kinds of work along the way that wasn't necessarily to be done in order to move your customer's product from their mill to their customer as efficiently and as reliably as you possibly can. Well, We're just taking all that unnecessary work and noise and activity out of the network. But I'm sure viewers at home are saying, well, wait a second. You mean they weren't run in a commonsensical fashion? Why not? Historically speaking, that's just the way the railroad industry evolved. Uh, more focused on running trains versus moving the customer's cars through the pipeline to their customers as efficiently as you possibly can do it. And that has made it so that CSX is no longer the boom and bust operation that I had come to know it as? Absolutely. As you said, in the, what our quarter was last year, revenues down 5%, uh, but expenses down 8 Yeah, that's incredible. Now, you do have certain cargoes that I've always felt you were so linked to. I always felt if coal went down, CSX would be crushed. Coal's down big. It, it doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. Uh, well, coal certainly has its challenges associated with the price of natural gas, with half of our coal business being tied to the electric utility industry. But what we've really focused on now is the core franchise of CSX, the merchandise business, the chemicals, the plastics, mm -hmm. the metals, the lumber, the paper. Big, big portion of our business, the boxcar business right. as it's sometimes referred to as, and that's where there is billions of dollars of opportunity for us uh, it to capture. If we can do one thing and one thing only, improve the reliability of the product, our service that we give to our customers. All right, sir. If there is a, a, a continued trade war, I would have to believe that there's no way CSX can have great numbers if we're going to be putting tariffs everywhere. But again, listening to you, I think that from efficiencies, you can even triumph over that. Oh, we have a fantastic franchise, Jim. We're, we blanket the eastern half of the United States where two-thirds of the U.S. population lives. As I said, with billions of opportunity, the railroad industry only has 8% of a $980 billion transportation market. Railroads used to have almost all of that. They lost it. Why did they lose it? Poor service. By running the railroad the way we run the railroad today, not only do we create great efficiency, but we create a much more reliable product that the customers want to use. They're using a truck today, right. but they're paying 10 to 15% more to do it. They pay the premium to buy the reliability. Now, you used to be in Canada. I mean... You cut your teeth there, I guess, in retrospect, but you've come down. And Look, I like CSX, but the CSX you're talking about is like uh, Martians come down and change it. I mean, that's how different it is. Well, you know, this model, this different way of thinking about the way to do the railroad business uh, was really pioneered uh, on a big scale at the Canadian National. And, yes, I worked with, at the Canadian National for 15 years. And now we took that company, as you know, which right. was owned by the Canadian government, 
and therefore not necessarily the best run railroad right. in North America right. uh, to clearly the best run, a model that has proven Absolutely. that it works. So when the opportunity came to try and do things in that manner uh, at CSX and transform CSX in a similar manner, uh, I don't know how to run a railroad any differently. Well, let me give you an example of what I, I, I focused on. E-commerce is maybe the greatest new next wave of transport. I had felt that the railroads have been left behind because customers like Amazon, they want that precision. Are you in shape to be able to get some of that e-commerce business? Absolutely. And we work with many of the big the parcel shippers today. You know, we work with the UPS today, which is, you know, handling packages uh, and expects. Trust me, those guys are tough and they want precision delivery. We're doing that. And we don't manage to train from terminal to terminal. We worry about are we going to miss a sort? That's how precise we need to be. And we're doing that today, and we're doing that very well. Now, the old days, I always worried the railroads and activists was going to come knocking. It's happened to a bunch of them. I think if you run it well, they go elsewhere. Well, uh, recent history would show that, yeah, the activists will come knocking, which they did at CSX. Again, building off the knowledge uh, that had been learned by the way the Canadians had operated Mm -hmm. that and transformed CSX uh, through that process into what we are today. Number one, the safest railroad in North America, the most efficient railroad in North America. Uh, And by most recent standards, if you listen to what the customers are saying, we run the the best uh, uh, railroad in terms of service. And then factor in the sustainability of how much more fuel efficient we are than a truck, and therefore 75% more fuel efficient, and therefore 75% more environmental friendly. How can I not be excited about what our opportunities are? Sometimes because we all know, man, the roads are in this country. We think, geez, I'd rather be on rail than I would be on a road. I think so, yes. Well, look, it's been... A great run since you've come in. I don't want to denigrate the guys in the old days, but this is a different, better railroad. And congratulations to you for everything you've done. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Excellent. Okay, that's Jim Foote. He's president and CEO of CSX Corporation. Maybe now you understand when you see a revenue number that may not be so great, look at the earnings number. It can be terrific because there's so much more efficient man money's back into the break. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, when you understand the Wall Street fashion show, you can make sense of the perplexing action that haunts us every earnings season. For example, this morning, Eli Lilly and Boston Scientific both reported great quarters. But Eli Lilly's stock got hammered, down more than 2%, while Boston Scientific's rallied 5%. Why? Because this market's not willing to give drug companies the benefit of the doubt. No how, no way. Not in a moment when the Democratic presidential candidates are debating single payer. And even the ones who are against Medicare for all tend to favor cracking down on big pharma. But Boston Scientific, it's a medical device maker. And for whatever reason, the medical device industry is sainted. It's much less hated than the pharmaceutical industry. And that's why this group tends to roar whenever Washington focuses its ire on the drug companies. Sure enough, the earnings season we've gotten so far, it's revealed some terrific numbers from the medical device plays. Not only are these stocks in style on the Wall Street fashion show, their underlying fundamentals are in fabulous shape. Let me tick them down for you, starting with longtime Kramer fave, Intuitive Surgical, which reported a fabulous quarter last Thursday. You know Intuitive Surgical is the company behind the Da Vinci robotic-assisted surgery platforms that helps doctors perform all sorts of minimally invasive procedures. The idea here is that their machines get you in and out of the hospital faster, and shorter hospital stays translate into more savings for the healthcare system. Isn't it great to have an icon come back as a machine like the pictures that we have of Da Vinci? All this point, at this point, we've got to say, they've got so many robots now working in the hospitals. That they're making a fortune, not just from the robots, but from selling the consumables that doctors use every time they perform surgery. It's the classic razor, razor blade business model. Da Vinci meets Gillette. In March, we spoke to Gary Goodhart. He's the intuitive surgical CEO. And he laid it all out for us. Take a look. The way we look at it, uh, we're in the business of helping our customers, which are hospitals and surgeons, deliver for their customers, the patients, the quadruple aim. Better outcomes, uh, better patient experience, better experience for the healthcare team, and lower total cost to treat. Mr. Goodhart also pointed out that the growth remains very strong. Last year, the number of procedures using intuitive surgical systems increased by 18%, double digit, and he noted that the company is launching a whole new bunch of products. However, a little over a month later, the story developed a bit of a complication, new wrinkle. Intuitive Surgical reported a seemingly mixed quarter, earnings coming in weaker than expected. While management raised their full year procedure growth forecast, they also boosted their operating expense forecast. So suddenly investors started worrying about costs. When you're dealing with momentum stocks, the last thing you want to see is an imperfect quarter. There was no margin for error here. In response, the stock got blasted. Intuitive had been in the 580s, and within a week it was at 500, and then by early June it had fallen to 455. Fast forward to July. And ISRG delivered a strong quarter, clean top and bottom line, beat with slightly raised guidance. But every time the stock tried to rally, it quickly rolled over. Plus, it didn't help that the market turned against growth stocks in August. It's not until last month that this thing really started turning, uh, thanks to a couple of positive analyst reports and some catalysts. First, Intuitive Surgical made a bunch of bullish presentations at industry conferences last month. Second, when Medtronic launched their own robot-assisted surgery system, Big competitor will hold it. The consensus 
consensus seemed to be that it was underwhelming. And that removed a major overhang for Da Vinci. Third, the whole medical device cohort had gotten its groove back. So buyers were finally willing to listen to good news from ISRG, which brings us to the quarter they reported last Thursday night. This time, Intuitive Surgical knocked it out of the park. A magnificent 44 cent earnings beat off a 299 basis and substantially higher than expected sales. The number of procedures conducted on the machines increased by 20%. Management raised their full year procedure guidance to the 17 to 18% range. That's the third consecutive quarter where they boosted this number. At the beginning of the year, they were only talking about 13 to 17% of procedure growth. Cherry on top. ISRG actually cut their operating expense forecast. The thing that everybody freaked out about in April. This was a fabulous quarter across the board. That's why the stock surged 7% on Friday, rising to 566. So what do I talk about now? Why bother? Because it's come back down, sinking to 535. And even though it's now back to 540, you're still getting a big chunk of that latest quarter for free. I like this stock right here. Managers put most of the worries to bed, rising cost to found competition, and they're now showing us exactly why we've always loved ISRG on mad money. Now, the stock here, okay, it's not cheap. It sells for 38 times next year's earnings estimates. But when you consider that Intuitive Surgical has accelerating growth, rose from 15% in the first quarter, 21 in the second quarter, to 22.5% in the most recent quarter, I think it is worth paying up for the best of the best. Sell-off gift. How about the rest of the medical device cohort? Earlier, I mentioned Medtronic, huge medical technology conglomerate that's not getting much credit for uh, its new robotic surgical system. But you know what? There's so much more to this company than that. Now, the company just rolled out some major new products for spinal surgery. They're part of Medtronic's recent acquisition of Mazor Robotics. Remember that Israeli company we we like so much? That's like a much smaller intuitive surgical. But the launch was light on details. So investors ended up selling the news. I believe in the Mazor deal. So I view the pullback as a buying opportunity. Medtronic trades at less than 18 times earnings. It's a steal. And if you remember back in January, we seemed to talk the CEO into recommending a stock. We were more bullish than he was. And the stock was in the 80s. Hey, sometimes you get a, you know, you get a little constructive. Then there's Kramer fave Abbott Labs. Now, last Wednesday, Abbott reported a solid quarter, less than stellar guidance. But there's something you may have missed. The day before that, they announced a partnership with Tandem Diabetes, the maker of high-tech insulin pumps for people with diabetes. Tandem caught fire in the news. It's up 11% since. I feel Abbott should have been up much more. There's yet another reason we own it for the Chapel Trust, which you can follow along, by the way, by joining the club, the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. More importantly, the company's got some promising stuff in the pipeline for heart disease and diabetes. This stock... It's mispriced. It sells at 22.6 times earnings. Miles White runs this company, for heaven's sake. He's got the, one of the best total shareholder returns of any CEO in, exist, in existence. Abbott, terrific buy, right here, right now. Speaking of diabetes, don't forget about Dexcom, maker of continuous glucose monitors. Basically, they make a sensor that tracks your blood sugar so you don't have to draw a blood multiple times a day. Hey, they got some good stuff working with Apple. Dexcom's been a huge, long-time winner. I mean, it's one of our absolute favorites. Now, the stock's been hard over the, hit hard over the last couple of months. I, I don't like that Tandem's teaming up with a competitor, but I think there's enough room for multiple players in the space. Dexcom, we believed in it for 100 points. We're not giving up now. Next, now, next this morning, Boston Scientific shot the lights out. The medical device maker delivered a nice top and bottom line beat, surged uh, 5%. More upside coming. Finally, there's another one that we've loved for so long. Getting the love that it deserves. Edwards Life Sciences, which revolutionized the development of heart valve replacements that can be installed without cracking the chest cavity. Saves lives, saves the system money. 
Edwards just reported a fabulous quarter after the close today, and the stock is surging. I've liked it for a long time. I still like it. Bottom line, whenever Wall Street's skeptical of big pharma, you tend to get some nice outperformance in the medical device stocks. That's still one more reason to buy the med tech names that have already reported strong numbers, like Intuitive, Abbott Labs, Medtronic, Boston Scientific, and Edwards Life Sciences. I think this market's eager to embrace the medical device cohort. Why fight the tape when you can fight right alongside it? Much more mad money in. John Donahoe is leaving big shoes to fill when he heads to Nike. I'm talking to the outgoing and incoming CEOs of ServiceNow to see what's ahead. And does the sell in Texas Instruments foreshadow a drop in the entire chip stock group? Don't make a move before hearing my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lighting Round. Stay with Kramer. Stay with Kramer. Lately, the whole cloud cohort has been eviscerated here, and some of these stocks just can't seem to catch a break. Take ServiceNow, the software-as-a-service company, helps other businesses automate various information technology processes, along with all sorts of back-office jobs. For years, this stock was a huge winner, and that's why we made it one of our cloud kings. But the market has turned against the group. ServiceNow, in particular, has been slammed. And the hits just keep coming. Last night, we learned the company longtime CEO John Donahoe will be leaving to take over as CEO of Nike. While ServiceNow is bringing in the terrific Bill McDermott from SAP to replace him, leadership changes are uncertain. Wall Street hates uncertainty. On top of that, the company had pre-announced some robust numbers from the current quarter. Billings up 28%, revenue up 34%. And it didn't seem to matter. People were just too freaked out by management turnover. That's why ServiceNow tumbled another 3.7% originally today. But then the company reported some great numbers after hours. It gave you the full report. And among other things, we saw a solid bottom line beat. Has the stock finally reached a level where it can bottom and rally can't answer that until we do more homework. So let's check in with John Donahoe, the outgoing CEO of ServiceNow. And in a few moments, we're going to bring in Bill McDermott, who will be say, taking over the reins of ServiceNow at your end. John, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. John, I've got to tell you, this quarter was just blowout. And one of the things that really influenced my thinking was there had been some downbeat reports that maybe the cloud, maybe software as a service, maybe even your end had slowed down and it was harder to close deals. You just came back from Europe, epicenter of world slowdown. It sounds like you're seeing the opposite. Deals are raging. Well, Jim, what's happening is digital transformation is a strategic priority for every company. If you can't compete digitally, you can't succeed. And ServiceNow was one of the core strategic digital transformation partners for increasingly virtually every company around. So as you mentioned, I was in Europe and met with several customers and several big partners. And they aren't focusing on macroeconomics. They're not focusing on Brexit. They're focusing on how can they deliver better experiences to their customers, better experiences for their employees, and drive real productivity growth And ServiceNow is one of their core platforms that enable all three. John, since I've known you and before, of course, the great Frank Slootman, uh, your predecessor, I have seen this company go from a company that I kind of thought was like, hey, I don't want to call my IT department. Let's figure that thing out to then an onboard company to now basically some company that's going to be a huge player in human resources and is really a uh, digitization leader. This has all happened in the short time that you've been ServiceNow. Well, Jim, as you know, I inherited a wonderful company from Frank Slootman, a company that had enormous potential. And my role over the last, really, in essence, three years has been to try to bring us up into the C-suite and begin to pull us across outside of IT. And the reason for that is employees don't really care if their issues are IT or HR or finance. Historically, 
software has been very siloed. Cross-functional workflow is the wave of the future. That's what digitization enables. So I've gotten us started to do that. But our next CEO, Bill McDermott, there is no one in the world who has operated more across all the major buying centers in the enterprise. He knows all those software, all the functional software, and all the seams that exist. And there's no one in the world that has greater CSU relationships than Bill McDermott. So he's going to take this even to the next level. All right. Before we meet, uh, bring Bill in, you've been on the board of Nike for a long time. You know, it's a company that both of us revere. Uh, your skill set may be unique to the new Nike, which is about digitization and personalization and technology. Well, Jim, as you said, I have a 20-year relationship with Nike. I've known Phil Knight and Mark Parker for 20 years. I've been privileged to be on the board for the last five. Uh, It is a company that has a purpose that I deeply resonate with, and I love sport. And so my role uh, at Nike is simply to build on the incredible momentum that Mark Parker and that great company have established. Yes, they're embracing digital transformation just in the same way we were talking about a minute ago, and I'm honored to be able to help contribute and lead them into that next chapter. All right. Well, why don't we bring in Bill McDermott, who I know is a fellow Philadelphia Eagle fan. And of course, people know as the long, long-standing <laughs> hey, CEO of uh, SAP. Bill, for, first of all, congratulations. I think this is really important. But second, isn't this the time when then ServiceNow has gone from Frank Slubin, kind of an original guy, to Donahue, Donahue who's taken it to the next level, to becoming now a competitor, yes, with Oracle and even your former company, SAP? Yeah, Jim, first of all, I'd like to um, acknowledge what a great leader John is and the wonderful job that he did at ServiceNow sets up the McDermott era very, very well. And it's been an honor to work with John, be his friend, and also to meet all the colleagues at ServiceNow. What a company. I'm truly excited and honored by the opportunity. In terms of the competitive profile out there, actually, Jim, many of these companies should be considered our partners, certainly SAP. Um, The idea of ServiceNow is a pure play in the cloud, a high-growth company, solving workflow and business process issues for companies, and the enterprise needs a company like ServiceNow who really cares, cares enough to make work work better for people, make it simple, make the user experience gorgeous, and there's so much opportunity for ServiceNow, and I'm really excited to get started, Jim. Bill, I see... uh the company closed 46 transactions, and I know you were on the call, so I listened to it, with more than $1 million in net new annual contract value. This is no longer a small cap company or a mid-range company or, after, or even a junior growth. Are you letting, ready to lead it to senior growth status, or is that too boring for you because you've already done it with SAP? Oh, there's nothing boring about ServiceNow, Jim. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. And what's great about this point in my career is that I get to team up with a great management team, an unbelievable engineering team and go-to-market team to really rethink the customer experience at mass scale. So to have an opportunity to take ServiceNow to $10 and far beyond to make it the most admired business software company in the world is where the goal starts. So I'm fired up, Jim, ready to go. 
Right, John, it has been bugging me. You know I love this cloud group and have been the biggest champion on TV. And Neil Bushry, a man we both admire, did say that macro conditions have made it harder to close deals. I never want a slight workday or a deal. They're too good. But you are not having that experience right now. I want to be sure about that because the stocks have been under pressure. That's not been what you've seen. That's certainly not what we're hearing on the customer front lines, Jim. We're hearing that they've got to drive productivity They've got to drive better user experiences. So, you know, the macroeconomics may go up and down over time. That's just, that's just a fact of life over time. What we're focused on and the real opportunity is technologies being used where it's never been used before to drive breakthrough experiences for customers, for employees, and drive unparalleled levels of productivity and efficiency. And as long as there's a return on investment, Companies will keep making those investments, and that's, that's been the focus at ServiceNow. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming on Mad Money uh, to do the handoff. I know you're going to be around for a while. Uh, John, I have to hope I see you when you're at Nike. Bill, I, 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 always, I missed you. I thought you were going away. So glad that you're not. <laughs> John Donahoe, he's the outgoing CEO of ServiceNow, and Bill McDermott, ServiceNow's incoming CEO. You can't beat these two guys. Mad Money's back into the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skid? Dad, come on the lightning round. Good morning. We'll start with Kirk in Ohio. I know. Kirk. Ooh, yeah. And woo. Wow, man. I'm telling you, you got game. You have game. What's going on? that right. I'm calling you from the home of the Boise State University Bronco football program. Well, I got to tell you, got a strange-looking field, but a lot of good pros. What's happening? We play on a sea of blue, too, buddy. Okay. Hey, I'm calling you about exact sciences. Stock's been under heavy pressure. I think that actually is pretty close to wanting to call bottom. The shorts are pressing it down. I think it's good. I would buy half here and then let it come down, though, because, boy, there's a lot of pressure on it. Let's go to Jeff in Utah. Jeff! Booyah, Ski Daddy. Yo, yo, Ski Daddy's right here. Yeah, uh, my stock is Lockheed Martin. Would it be? No, no, we're not going to fool around with Lockheed Martin. When we just had that unbelievable quarter by United Technologies, which can uh, merge with Raytheon, which is also going to have a good quarter. And that's the way we're going to play. How about Tony in Illinois? Tony! Booyah, Jim, from the Windy City. Thanks for all that you do for the individual investor. Not a problem. Happy to help. You got to... My nephew got me interested in the stock WEC. It's made, uh, that's Wisconsin Energy Group. It's made uh, he and myself uh, some money over the last year. My question is, can this stock run again? I like Wisconsin Energy more than I like the University of Wisconsin that I saw this weekend. Frankly, I was a little disappointed in one, but I like the other. I'm buying the utility, and I think that's what you stay long. Hey, we're not done, because we got to go to John, who I think is an old friend of mine from New Jersey. John! Yes, hey, Jim. This is John Schnatt from Jersey City, and I was calling about Snapchat. 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 Uh, Snapchat, listen to me. I read through that call. I liked it. The only way to reach these pesky millennials in just consistent fashion before they even become millennials is to advertise on Snap. The stock shouldn't be down. It should be up. I'd buy some here and buy some if the shorts keep leaning on it. One more. Let's go to Warren in Virginia. Warren. Hey, Mr. Kramer. Bye-bye-bye, Booyah. Long-time viewer, first-time caller. 
Okay. Would like your opinion on Amarian Corporation, A-M-R-N. We get a lot of calls on this one, and you know what we decided? We decided that it's a pretty good spec. We like it, and we think that you can buy it. Remember what I said about these medical stocks? Periodically, you get some good ones, ah. and the bad ones don't hurt you nearly as much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, includes up the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Should we take our cue from this? This is a chart of Texas Instruments, the huge semiconductor company. Last night it reported a hideous shortfall, shaded down its forecast, and it sent the stock tumbling 7.5%. Now, you got to wonder if this is a sign for the rest of the chip makers, right? Could Texas Instruments be another, say, workday, which recently issued some cautious commentary and sparked a monster sell-off in the cloud cohort? A lot of experts are claiming this company is a real bellwether. Texas Instruments is indeed a $111 billion company with across-the-board exposure to the semiconductor industry. If they're in bad shape, then everybody else must be suffering too, right? Or at least that's what they'd have you believe. On last night's dismal conference, coal management kept hammering home that it's all about the macro, the pessimists, and the trade war, which came together to make the company's weary customers more cautious. At first, the market bought this one the whole Line and sinker. The semiconductor stocks all rolled over in after hours trading, but today many of these stocks shrugged off this company's shortfall and rebounded from the lows. I think that comeback made a lot of sense, and like I said at the top of the show, some of the things that seem unfathomable just aren't explained well enough. Of course, we can't just dismiss what this company's had to say last night. It's a gigantic company, $15 billion in sales, and their worldview does matter. But, and this is a big but. Uh, sir, mix a lot, but going into the quarter, Texas Instruments had been an incredible performance, up 36% for the year. And when you look at the reasons for that strength, it's because the company did everything in its power to stop being a semiconductor bellwether. As Eric Johnson points out in a fantastic piece for TheStreet.com, Texas Instruments was a winner because it moved aggressively to get off the treadmill of cell phone components, although it still has some in here. It's no longer the be-all and end-all. Instead, they diversified. They diversified in automobiles. They're one of the dominant chip makers for the uh, auto industry. They diversified in industrial automation. Think the digitization of manufacturing. So Texas Instruments has made itself into a lot more cyclical company than the average chip maker. For years, this was a brilliant strategy because cell phone sales were slowing and the industrial economy was just fine. But that's no longer the case. If we're headed into a worldwide economic slowdown, as many indicators seem, these are the last businesses you want exposure to. Bad and Marxist Texas Instruments is levered to what's uniquely not working. These days, I think we have better tells for vast swaths of the semiconductor industry. I want you to consider a company like uh, Taiwan Semiconductor. Last week, this gargantuan chipmaker told us they were seeing real strength across pretty much each product line. Taiwan Semi is more than twice the size of Texas Instruments. Their communication business is on fire right now, as is their DRAM, their, let's just call it their commodity semi-business. Or how about last night when a very good test and measurement company, Teradyne, told us a tale of tremendous strength, particularly ongoing demand for 5G infrastructure and flash memory. Lamb Research, the huge semiconductor equipment manufacturer, went into total beast mode this very evening, reporting a quarter that sent the stock soaring a dozen points in after hours. 
Meanwhile, we have plenty of chip makers that have nothing to do with Texas Instruments. NVIDIA stock got hammered last night, but then it came back hard today because NVIDIA is levered to totally different end markets that are in much better shape. Plus, it's led by the incomparable Jensen Wong, who just this week was named the best performing CEO by HBR Magazine. We saw the same thing with AMD and Micron. They got hit hard, and then they rebounded today because there's simply not much overlap with Texas Instruments. After plunging as much as Texas Instruments did in the after hours, uh, let's say AMD stock ended up losing just 15 cents. Micron stock closed flat. Listen, all semiconductor companies are not created equal. Some are more equal than others. Right now, the winners are the ones with less industrial exposure because we're going into a worldwide slowdown. The moral of the story, you don't run from an AMD or an NVIDIA. If Texas Instruments says business is weakening across the board, you run to them because they don't have the same customers. As far as these less cyclical semis are concerned, business is fine. And just maybe, as in the case with LRCX, Lamb Research, this evening, maybe it's much better than we ever thought. Stick with Kramer. Are the software stocks back? Microsoft after the bell, fantastic quarter. How about that service now with a huge surge? Alaric's did really well tonight, and that stock's up. Wouldn't it be nice to have that group back? It's the last remaining group that hasn't been just bounced back at all in tech. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. I will see you tomorrow. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.